0: Hi and welcome to a new episode of Make It Right Play. My name is Manan Pruthu, your host, and this is my co-host Ishir Fernando, and we have a guest episode today with Ali Shuberi. Um, hi Ali, how are you doing? Just just uh, so want to check in. Yeah,
1: yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, sure,
0: definitely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just for like introductions, Ali is one of my favorite mentors. He's been there for me from like my very first year. Uh, I don't know if you remember this story, Ali, but like. Uh, in my first hackathon at code jam you were basically up with me like all night trying to like trying to make sure I like submit a project uh, by the end of it and uh, obviously like ever since that day like he's just been like rooting for me and uh I obviously I'm just really glad that you're, you're on like for an episode of Make It Light Play. And uh, obviously Ali's kind of experience has been with like different things. He's working at Microsoft as a software engineer right now and he's also had experiences at like Unity, Ubisoft, Cloudly, SAP uh, with different initiatives like data science, machine learning and whatnot. Um, so yeah, he's basically a superstar. He's based, yeah, he's basically like really accomplished guy and we are extremely proud to have him. But um, the first kind of question I had in mind for you, Ali, was uh, I was I was just thinking about like the fact that you know you graduated like last year from McGill and mm-hmm. I I was just I was just thinking like you know if you could look back at like your time in McGill and what you did, like you know, retrospectively like is there anything you could change? Not not only from like a nostalgic point of view, but like, just like, even in terms of like strategic point of view, it does like the major you chose, or the courses you chose, the extracurriculars you did. Is there anything you would change on a strategic, uh, from a strategic point of view?
1: Yeah, I guess the only thing I would change, because I've thought about this even to myself, the only thing I would change yeah. is, I I think I would spend more time with people. Like I okay. have more fun, just because like when, when and. And I'll tell you, even when I was in school, people told me this, I didn't believe this, but yeah. when you're in school, you're very focused on the grades. You're very focused on trying to be successful. But then when you kind of leave school, you don't remember whatever the test, the midterm, whatever you did well on, but you yeah. do remember, oh, okay, I went on a ski trip and it was fun. And I met these people I had, you know, like you remember the experiences with the people more. So that's the only one thing I would change. But in terms of like the uh, the university, strategizing. I think, yeah, there's not much I would change. I think like try oh I want I guess this is just general advice, but in university one thing that I found useful is just sample like a lot. Like try different things, go to consulting competitions, like as you were doing, go to go to hackathons, go to whatever, like anything you see, just keep going to these things so that you get a better sense and then it helps kind of narrow down where you want to go in the future and kind of strategize better
0: yeah <laughs> that's gotcha, gotcha. true um something i was a little curious about was like you know you chose to do like electrical engineering but like a lot of your, your internships and everything were like you know software or like data science and i was just wondering like what your experiences were in terms of like, like you know choosing these things and like why why did you think you gravitated with them? Um sure.
1: yeah 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 for sure so I, this might come down to like more mcgill based device, but so when yeah. i first joined mcgill i was at uh i joined as a software engineer
0: oh right. So I, okay. I came
1: in the software engineering program and then uh i think after my first year i switched into computer engineering okay. and then or sorry my second year i switched into computer engineering then at the end of your second year you can declare for the honors uh, electrical engineering program and then at the time i thought okay if i go into honors it'll be uh it'll be nice because everyone will think I'm like super smart and like, whatever, it just like boosts you on the resume. So I thought, okay, right. it's better for me to go into honors. And then, so I switched from computer ends to electrical ends. but at the same time, okay. when I went into electrical ends, I already had it in my head that all the, so just background on Miguel is the courses that you get to take, uh, you, in your final year, you have seven technical complementary, so you can choose your courses, which is like uncommon in uh, the engineering degrees in, in Canada. Yeah. So, I knew that all those seven courses, I'm going to take CS courses, but then I'd still have to take some uh, circuits courses or some uh, extra physics courses and stuff. But so, yeah, it was primarily because I wanted to go into the honors program, but also because the honors program offered a little bit more flexibility into uh, what courses you could take. So like, for example, uh, in the electrical engineering program, you could go and take CS courses at a graduate level, or you could take electrical engineering courses at a graduate level. So it just give you more options. That's kind of why I sw- switched. I wouldn't recommend it. Honestly, I think it it makes it harder to go down the cs path but uh yeah that's <laughs> That Not
2: sure. Not sure. Yeah. kind of sounds like my experience with physics like uh oh you don't know this but i majored in physics kind of for clout <laughs> okay no okay so i didn't really have like a very strong direction when i got into college and i was like okay physics is the most interesting thing and no looks smart right Looks good in on our resume right i majored in i, I it was absolutely a horrendous experience i had to work every like every minute like i had to just yeah it was <laughs> it was just work it was just a lot of work for me because i'm I, I was a bad physicist but you know i made it out but i definitely while i was there i took like you know a ton of cs like like, like secondary major in cs or whatever right, right. and it, that was kind of like it was yeah a regret maybe but it was it was cool to do it at the time and what uh, yeah, focuses shift and i think a lot of people don't realize that but so you did know. you do you said math and physics you did i did physics and cs
1: Physics and CS, okay.
2: okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I like CS much better because mostly okay. because the major actually helped people. But yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say this. uh <laughs> will chop the side in case we release it before I
0: get my degree.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, the physics major didn't really support uh, a lot of, you know, being new to physics people. So it was kind of rough, but. Right.
1: Yeah. I know it's one of the toughest dual degrees that you physics CS is very difficult. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it wasn't a dual degree per se. It's not like a double major. It's like a secondary major where you can like okay. double count courses. So it wasn't like a huge course load. Okay. But yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it sounds, sounds kind of similar to me, but yeah. yeah, on that note. So like, so that's in a courses perspective, right? So was there anything you, you might have like reconsidered or done differently, like outside of uni or out, like in your extracurriculars and the things that you manage that were not, you know, directly academic related, they don't have to be, you know, career related or getting jobs related but like things that you could have like maybe taken advantage of or things like that
1: yeah so one thing I, when i was in university i tried to be involved in as many clubs as possible so i i tried to like i i was involved in a lot of different organizations at the same time because i was that was like something I, I wanted to always just be grinding always be working and yeah. the secondary thing is i was interested in the organizations that i was joining okay. so That's, that's kind of the only other advice I would say like outside of going to all the events, try to find organizations that fit what you're interested in and then just continue on those paths. And then it might be like, it might be like sometimes you join an organization realize okay I kind of don't like this and you need to move on and that's fine right but. um, Yeah, uh, these are just more the basic uh, generic advice, but I think it's it's really important like joining clubs, I think enhances your experience quite a bit because, first of all, you meet like minded people. I think that's really important Uh, just to have good friends, like you meet a good community of friends, but also for developing whatever goals you have, right? If your goal is to go into machine learning and you join a machine learning club, everybody there is gonna be interested in machine learning, right? So you guys are all gonna be discussing what's the next step that we take? How do we get the next position? How do we move on and take the next track, right? So I think it helps in that regard to find whatever you're interested in kind of go down those veins. Uh extra outside of like these clubs, I would think uh just exercise too, like that's a good one too. Like I was involved in a lot of different intramural sports, like soccer is a big thing for me. And
0: there's okay. always
1: it's it's a good thing to reset your mind, right? So those are the uh those are the only things I think I could say. Dude, yeah. I love-
2: I know like four alies and they all play soccer and they're like crazy about it. So now that makes five. <laughs> <laughs> <a nice> <laughs> uh, they, yeah.
1: they breed us. They breed us from a young age. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I picked up from what you said was like you you know you were speaking about like machine learning and kind of, and obviously like you know you were very famous around school for like you know like starting. Sorry, like uh, uh, May's. I, I think I pronounced it like yeah, uh, Mace 202, like you basically made, made a academic kind of boot boot camp for um, students interested in machine learning. Uh, I was just very curious as to what like you know your entire journey with like like uh, the, the whole artificial intelligence club in McGill was and like you know yeah like just I, I was just curious as to, like what what your favorite ex- experiences were there and oh, uh, you know how how it kind of got to the point where you actually got the course on like people's transcripts. I think that's, that's really cool. It's the first time i heard heard of it at yeah. So like, yeah, I was
1: just curious how how they came about. Yeah. So one thing I want, I don't want to take credit for starting because the oh, my generation best. behind me started. So like, I don't want to be the guy that takes credit yeah. for his work, but that's so, right. yeah. so like uh, the generation before me, it started, but the the kind of the premise of this bootcamp. So uh, basically just kind of get background is we have at Miguel Uh, as part of our ai society a course that we can teach it's like a peer taught course where upper year students will teach machine learning to younger students and uh, i was one of the lecturers for the course so basically organizing the lecture content organizing the different aspects of the course and yeah so the generation before us kind of created that course and then it was the second year that we were going to take it up and then i obviously really wanted to be a part of that because the thing that is like you always learn by teaching right when you have to teach something and you know that people are going to start asking questions and poking holes in your understanding then you're going to be really studying hard because now you don't want to look yeah. like an idiot you know right? yeah so, yeah so uh yeah the experience there was super great like uh yeah like uh, so the premise actually uh, why we thought the boot camp was important and this kind of goes more as advice of people if they want to get interested in machine learning or move into machine learning is like We thought it was important at a young age to introduce people to concepts of machine learning or different uh, aspects of it, just so you have an understanding of what it is, right? Because even something that we saw in like Montreal and some, uh, a reason that I was able to get some of the roles that I was able to get is, uh, there's there's a lack of talent in ML, but there's a lot of demand. Like people really want ML engineers, but sometimes it's not as easy to find those types of people. And so they're willing to take a gamble on you as an intern to come in and work in ML, right? So, if you get those skills early and you start keep developing those skills as you're going along, then you'll be very likely to like. As you get like later in your years, you'll be very likely to land a position that you're interested in or get into a role that you're interested in. So that was kind of the premise of like we wanted to introduce kids young to machine learning because we didn't think that machine learning specifically the application side has a lot of theoretical understanding well sorry it has a lot of theoretical understanding but not things that would prevent kids from being able to pick it up right like you can pick it up and play with it and train data set and whatever and have a good result but you might not know exactly how everything the intricacies how everything works but yeah that was the premise and I honestly just to speak like most rewarding experience I think that was one of the most rewarding experiences because we were teaching like Every semester we were teaching an actual course like of 30 students and you have assignments, you have TAs and I don't know is it is a, a really cool experience so.
0: yeah
2: yeah I, I can imagine what the logistics involves look like and yeah, yeah no, I, I really uh, you know that, that point about like applying machine learning not requiring like, it not being as like as huge of like a cliff to jump over compared to like, you know, understanding it theoretically is like a very valid point. Cause like, at Stanford I hear this joke all the time, right? It's just modeled out fit, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly, like, yeah. It, it, yeah, you know you can make solid applications and provided of course you understand the ethics and you know things like that around it, that's really important but it's mm-hmm. it's not as deep a concept, excuse the pun but not as deep a concept as many people think it is. But on that topic, uh you've seen kind of the sweet side of things and the machine learning side of things, right? and as an intern how did those two experiences compare because there's a lot of kids you know these days like when they come into college they like life goal is set on like all oh, thanks we propositions, positions right but right. i don't see as many even even at Stanford in california i don't see as many going into data science roles and right. there seems to be a lot of demand for it as you say like there's interns you know companies take uh, you know throwing the dice and taking interns in to try and play with these problems because there is a lack of talent there uh yeah. and what did that compare like? You know, what was working sweet like? You know, on the day to day, and what was working in data science like on the day to day? And what, what did you think were like the the pros and cons to both of those?
1: Yeah. So, uh, when So, uh, a lot of my work experience comes more like in applied research roles, and in the applied research roles, I found that as opposed to sweet, I had more autonomy. Like, I could just come up with an idea, take it from start to finish, build everything yeah. out. Like, and I think that was like a I like that experience more, as opposed to when you're in a SWE role, it's like every morning you have your stand up. the uh, the lead is gonna tell you what you do for the next month and you just kind of accept it. You don't, there's no yeah. like back and forth, there's no hey, what do you think about this? What about this? It's like, okay, yeah. you're doing this for the next month and that's what you're gonna do, right? And so there's definitely differences in the roles, but uh, um, yeah, it's just like what you like more. I don't know, like even the thing you were mentioning about Stanford, I'm, I'm curious why, kids don't go into uh, ML-based roles. Uh, but I'm not sure. Is is there a big focus in Stanford to go into FANG? Is that like the FANG? Suite yeah, the- yeah.
2: Like, dude, like my freshman dorm, like, I don't know, pretty much everybody just tried to get into FANG. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, everybody was FANG. Because I think mostly it was like, A, like cloud and B slash money. Like, they pay really good money down there for sweet right. positions and not that great for, it's not that great for data science positions. Right. But I feel like kids, like, I don't know, the few people, or quite a few people that I met, like, who came out of, like, uh, a, you know, sophomore summer experience uh, at one of the fan companies, they came in, like, yeah, like, I got a bad manager, like, I didn't really get to work that much, they kind of treated me as a to-do list, whatnot, like, blah, blah, blah things like that, yeah. right, <laughs> yeah, and, like, yeah. honestly like, for me, it was, like, kind of, like, a, what did you expect kind of thing, uh, right, like, it, it seemed like, you know, you're small fish, big pond, or, yeah, small fish, big pond kind of thing, right, right, um, but I don't, yeah, I don't see, there, there's, there's a sizable population going to data science roles and there's there's kids out there doing it, but right. it seems like a lot of them, they'll take ML courses, but they'll end up in three positions. Right. Right. And yeah. it, it just seemed like there's like this whole like climate of navigating to that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then, I
0: think, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, uh, I was just, but I've but heard personally is that like a lot of people feel like they have to do like a master's degree. And like, you know, right. like specialize like further to like actually like land these roles. That that's the kind of like mis- at least the misconception I was there initially. Because and even people who pursue data science internships, they're very worried as to whether they actually land have like a full-time role, uh, even right. at these big companies. That that's what I've heard personally at least. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I think you're definitely right. Like it skews more to masters, PhD, and probably rightfully so, because uh like I'll I'll be honest in the roles that I've gotten. I was always the stupidest kid in the room, like, by far.
2: <laughs> like, you've all been there.
1: Yeah, I'd be going home, like, just looking around, like, bro, are these guys all PhDs, like, how are we going to match these dudes? Yeah. And yeah so, yeah. like, it's it's like, it's like something that was, like, super stressful for me. And, I, and, and I'm not saying, like, it's because I'm smart. It's because I was just, like, super lucky and happened to get into the right room, you know? Like, uh, And so, yeah, it, it's. I think you definitely have more success going into these kind of roles with a master's for sure. I think you, what you're saying is right.
0: Right, right, got you. But like, even even though like that was like that's like this sort of requirement that's kind of thrown like around, you still like managed to like land like uh, at least like three roles. I believe like one data science role and two machine learning roles at like Unity, Ubisoft, Behavior Interactive, and yeah. these companies. I was just wondering like like in terms of like strategy, because like because like a lot of people like there's so many resources on the internet as to like oh like you know do X, Y, Z things to like land these role. Like, what's like your take on like, how people could land these roles and how they could represent like, themselves to recruiters? Because like, that's always like a big question that kind of like throws around and people are very intimidated by the process. Yeah. Including myself, like I have I've thrown like many million questions on your end also. So, like, yeah, just want to get it on video, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, the one thing like, what I think, because so I, I made a strategy by looking yeah. at friends that I saw were successful, okay? Okay. So I had two friends, one of them was like an ML guy and he was working at Microsoft Research. and uh and he'd published in NeurIPS so NeurIPS is like one of the top conferences right and uh he was all our age like he was he was like an undergrad at the time right and then I had another friend who was top tier graphics programmer and he was working he'd worked at Ubisoft and they went and Google did something with their video team and then I was looking at both these guys and I was thinking like okay what is different between these guys and what I what I was doing so at the time, what I was trying to do is like be general, right? Like be general in everything I was doing, like try to be good at everything, do web dev, do a little like C++, Do like basically do everything, right? Yeah. I started to realize like the reason these guys were successful is they were specialized, right? Like one of them was talk to your ML guy. One of the, the other guy was like a talk to your graphics guy, right? So I was thinking, okay, I need to kind of specialize and get into kind of my lane, right? And so yeah. when I went to behavior, Behaviour is like a video game company that uh, creates Dead by Daylight, it's, it's just uh, it's a multiplayer game anyways. But when I was at Behaviour, I knew already, okay, I'm in something related to data and video games, right? So when I when I was looking at the next role, I was immediately, I was looking at Ubisoft and they had a re- research lab there, I was like, yeah. okay, this is where I want to go, right? So I already kind of, I was like, okay, I want to do some ML in games, yeah. right? and then when I was in that lane, it became much easier, right? Because once I got into Ubisoft and I worked at Ubisoft's like research lab there, when I went, uh, there was a, se- there was a Unity had a session on campus and I went to the recruiter immediately and I told her like, listen, I come from Ubisoft, I come from this lab, I've worked here and I want to come work at Unity and I would like to work in the lab with you guys. Yeah. And that's just how it happened like this, right? It's just because I was in this lane that and, like when you looked at my resume, you'd be like, oh, okay, this guy knows how to do ml for games he understands games he's been in this industry for different internships he's worked like uh, he's built his own games whatever like he he has this experience so that we can bring him in and he has actually he has an actual expertise he's not uh he's not some like kid that we bring in and we kind of have to teach him everything like you can bring me in day one and i'll I'll start to produce obviously i have to like learn the problem that you're trying to solve and what's the system you're working with but i'm like the the risk on taking a chance on me as opposed to somebody random is is much lower, right? Cause I, I come yeah. with like that. So that's the one thing that I think I was lucky with is like, I just happened to fall into a lane that I happened to enjoy. And I, I kind of helped me keep getting progressively cooler, cooler roles and like getting to work with cooler stuff. So yeah, that, that's all I could say is just find your lane, find the lane you want to be in, find the things you're interested in. That kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier is like, try to try everything. Yeah. Right. Try to, test everything sometimes take a job that you think you might not like just to see like obviously if you have a better option don't take that job but i mean like yeah if you don't have just to option, know that you don't yeah. like it yeah cuz data is the most important thing right it's coming from yeah. a guy who loves data right so yeah. <laughs> the more data you can get the better for you
2: yeah okay yeah uh and then back to the point of like like learning ML, right? There's a bajillion resources out there on you know master machine learning, but but one thing I feel like when you're taking like courses in school, right? One thing they completely miss out on is the application, right? Mm. Because I still haven't taken an ML course that teaches you how to like properly use. Like an ML library, how to like leverage an ML library, right? They'll teach you Householder's transform, finding the eigenvalues of like some random like hyperspace, right? But you never use any of that in an ML role. Like, sure, if you want to publish a new reps and right, this new paper on like you know rapidly finding eigenvalues or dealing with sparse matrices, whatnot, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But like never, you will never face that in like an actual ML role, right? And like I don't know, like what was your process like when you came to ML? Because like application is something you have to like almost always like build by yourself if you're working in ML, right? So you've got to learn it yourself and you've got to like, you know, get familiar with some bunch of libraries. If you're not for, I'd imagine for game dev, there's like this whole different set of libraries that you have to use and it's not nah, just- It's all the same, it's all the same, yeah. It's
1: PyTorch yeah? still, yeah, by it's PyTorch. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <third still laughs> yeah, yeah, fair
2: enough. But what was your kind of approach to like developing familiarity with the environment that you'd be working in, like in terms of like learning, you know, what are like a common range of problems and like what are a common range of application or problem solving strategies applied to this? and you know, how did you build that kind of bank of knowledge in, in your kind of quest to get you know get become a better game dev?
1: Yeah, so I think the one thing is like you need to you need to kind of do it on your own, like as you were saying, like when when you're in school, like even like a CS degree, like I know I, and I obviously I'm not coming from a CS background, but I I speaking with friends that were in the CS background, they all say like if you think like upper year CS courses, they're not really actually, I think Stanford is a little bit different. I've seen your guys' course list is quite good. But uh, at least at our school, it was all theoretical. Like it wasn't like yeah, how do you build an iOS for... <laughs> application? But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. not. It's not like how do you build a website? It's more like uh, I don't know what's the algorithm design of a big system or something like yeah. this, right? So it's like yeah. it's it's that kind of principle of like they're not going to teach you the stuff that you really need to know. So if you're actually interested in that stuff, you got to differentiate yourself and show that you can build and operate in that world. And the only way you do it is find something you're interested in do it like and yeah I just that's it what I find with projects is like initially there's like a really high activation energy like it's like really tough to like you're kind of like oh man I don't want to do this like why do I have to do it and then once you start going once you get a momentum then it becomes fun so yeah just kind of push through that initial hump build something you're interested in and then eventually you'll start to learn these toolkits and then when you go into the interviews uh, you'll have something to talk about. Even if you don't have a previous role, you can say like, oh, listen, like I built this, this is why it could be useful for you guys. And this is how it demonstrates that if you bring me in, I can be successful in the role. Right. So,
2: yeah, good. Yeah. Like I, I can relate to that. Like, so I'm guessing you had like some like game projects yourself that, you know, you worked on yourself and, you know, it, it was like one of your kind of steps in, in, in your ladder, uh, to getting into these roles, but like, yeah, like, I'm working with like some computer vision stuff, and like getting started on it is definitely the hardest part. But once you like once once you find it, you have to find a problem that's interesting to you. Once you get working on it, but once yeah. you get there, it's kind of like downhill almost in the effort amount of effort required because you know the problem starts getting deeper and deeper, and it, it's a little more interesting that way. But yeah, definitely that's, you. That's super cool. What do yeah. you work on? What's the project? So I work in a bunch of computer vision for conservation uses. Uh, okay. So you have you, you've heard of iNaturalist, right? Uh no I haven't. Okay, so it's like a computer vision. It's it's actually an app on your phone. It's a computer vision app that lets you like identify like plants and animals that you you know uh do that. But iNaturalist was created as an app to like kind of help conservationists because people can like oh like I saw this species of butterfly and I'm going to report it no, using iNaturalist and it creates like this database of like plant and animal sightings, right? right. Uh, so a company that's also or an institution that's also doing that is eBird, which is the company I work at, and they're doing the same thing with birds. Uh. And they have this huge like media asset library called the Macaulay library and it's filled with all these like unlabeled unmarked or unidentified birds right and dealing with that media because some of the media is like oh there's a bird but it's like one pixel in this like, <laughs> like <laughs> picture right and then right. some of it's like freshly shot uh, photographs right and right. sorting out good media without having to you know parse having to send a bunch of humans to parse through 18 million assets it's really hard Right. So we're trying to use like computer vision and uh, a little bit of like agent-based modeling to uh, basically like replicate like good uh, raters, and just like set them loose on the uh, on the library and see what they turn up. Right. What's what they turn up as good media and bad media. Right. right. Uh, it's kind of a fun problem because defining what a good photograph is, or what a good video is, or what good uh, good uh, good audio asset is is really hard. Right. Because right. it it can mean different things to different people, and like rule-based is really does not work. In this environment, so it's really defined. Even like making our data sets to try and train these models is really tricky. So I I really enjoy it. Yeah,
1: That's super cool. Is it the uh, what's the what's the progress so far? Is it working well or?
2: Yeah, so we're using like a we have like five data sets or five raters that we're using. So like five guys uh, who've actually like rated out like a thousand assets or something like that, and then we're right. kind of replicating their like rating behavior, and yeah. it's doing well. So. We, on our test tests, we are seeing like within our, we use like a taxonomic loss, uh, okay. but basically it's spot on about 90, 92, 93% of the time with like the individual raters okay. uh, or, or what the individual raters thought. But in terms of getting like an overall rating, uh, it's kind of hard to do that because we don't know if you should use like a majority vote or some sort of like combination. We can throw an SVM on top of it or something like that. It's, it's kind of messy, but yeah. overall we're seeing some like really good results and, uh, yeah, I don't think it can develop too much on it, but it, yeah, it'll be, cool. it'll Sounds be really deployed cool. soon. Yeah.
1: What's the taxonomic loss? I, I don't, I don't know this loss That's why. I so curious.
2: yeah, taxonomic loss is like, it's basically like distance. It's, it's, it's a dis- distance loss. So like distance from the right class. So if you yeah. have like a, an ordered, uh, an ordered class system, so like ratings from one to 10, yeah. uh, you know, the taxonomic loss is like, oh, I'm two classes away from the class. I want to be or five classes away from. Oh, okay. So it's if
1: your cal- classes orderings matter. Yeah, Exactly. Oh, interesting. Okay. yeah, That's interesting. I haven't looked at that before. That I think, like there's, cool I think there's another
2: name for it, but it, it, in like the bio space, they call it a taxonomic law. So that's what we've been calling it.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. super cool. Are you interested mm-hmm. in going into more like bio related stuff or?
2: Yeah, I think I found like some sort of like crystal satisfaction from helping like, you know, conservation causes and, you know, helping people get in touch with nature because like I'm also a big nature nerd. So it's kind yeah. of like the space I like to be in. Yeah. How I didn't measure it. You... Oh, sorry. Right, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, as I just said, I didn't, I didn't major in ecology or anything, even though I would have like to do. So this is kind of the way I'd like to contribute to it.
1: Right. No, that yeah. makes sense. How did you find this like path to go? Did you?
2: I just cold emailed people. <laughs> yeah, because, because I don't, I had some like experience, like try, or trying to get into like kind of recruited to, like data science roles for like quant positions. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, okay. that that was, that was like a whole mess. And like, that's just, it's just a different way of doing it. But then, you know, I, I had my summer with it and I was like, nah, I'm not I'm not going to do that, uh, you know, because uh, yeah. it just wasn't fulfilling to me. Uh, but then I just cold emailed a bunch of people in the fall of 2019, right? And I kept cold emailing people till March of 2020 and <laughs> there was this one academic group at Cornell that replied and they were like, okay, like, hey, we have like these problems that you want to solve. Might not be like super well or super thought or like people haven't worked on it yet, but I was like, oh, that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm happy to help. and yeah it's, it's kind of been what i've been i've been doing it since march uh, uh yeah
0: i think that was the bulk of the conversation that we wanted to cover, early but uh just as like a final like cheesy question kind of thing like you know okay. what can we expect from you like in the next five years like where do you think you know you'll be heading and uh, is there any like last kind of words that you would, you would kind of like you know like a nice cheesy indeed that you like of give course. It to hopefully
1: <laughs> hopefully in five years you will all be together on my private island Actually, hopefully we all have <laughs> private islands beside each other yeah and, uh, <laughs> Everybody, we wake sorry up can't help there
2: <laughs> <laughs> I won't be there for a while
1: man sorry who knows man who knows yeah the, the cv game we see you got maybe a taxonomic loss takes off huh? uh, <laughs> yeah. oh god
0: uh, yeah unfortunately
1: I don't know man uh, life life moves changes quick so yeah I have to say like even for me now like I don't know what the next five years is going to look like so I, I, I what I'm trying to do now is just learn as much as I can working, work in the things that I'm interested in, and then hopefully see where, take the opportunities when they come and then hopefully, uh, end up in a better place than I am. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's all, that's all I could say. I don't know, but hopefully that's, it. It, uh, that's the dream though. Uh, we'll yeah. all be working towards the, this five-year goal of the islands. <laughs> 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 hey, uh,
2: islands are getting expensive, man.
1: Yeah. you yeah. <laughs> yeah, gotta True. get it quick. If we don't get it in the next five years, I don't think we're ever getting an island So we going to be quick. They'll,
2: they'll probably come down post COVID, but yeah, we might have to capitalize <laughs> in the next couple years.
1: Yeah, we got to move quick.
2: <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway. All right, Ali. It's been it's been a pleasure getting to know getting to know you. And uh yeah, I appreciate appreciate you coming on, me and Monica what do and uh thanks Manitou for bringing Ali on because had an interesting conversation and yeah, yeah, Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you guys, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, for anybody who's watched this far, uh, thank you for making it this far, (laughs) and uh, welcome to season two of Making the Right Play. We forgot to mention that. This is going to be the first episode of uh, season two, and uh, yeah, we hope you make the right play. Thanks. Thank you.